Welcome to the Next Steps to Better Days podcast with your Next Step coach, Adonis Lindsay. Hey everybody, Adonis Lindsay here. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast. Once again, it's always a pleasure uh, to be bringing these podcasts to you. I appreciate you guys so much, my faithful listeners and subscribers. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't tell you how much uh, you mean to me and this podcast of just helping us spread the word of of just sharing some good news and some some uh, good content and helping people reach that next level of life and to reach their goals, reach their dreams. And today I'm excited uh, about this particular podcast. Uh, got a great guest in the house with us. We're going to be talking about uh, getting on that journey of forgiveness. You know, so many times in life we uh, go through something to where we've been hurt by people. Let's let's face it, we are a bunch of people on this planet. And, you know, no doubt, uh, if you if you've never been hurt by anybody, then just just keep walking. And sooner or later, you're going to bump into somebody, <laughs> uh, whether it's a friend, coworker, family member, uh, where you're going to get hurt by that person. And, you know, there's I always say there's a decision that you have to make. You can you can stay stuck uh, in unforgiveness and, and holding a grudge and uh, blaming somebody else for the pain that is still going on in, in inside of you, and I tell people it's like this: it's like uh, blaming somebody who hurt you. It's like holding um, a hot coal in your hand and being mad at the person who started the fire. No, you reached and you picked up that coal. And now it's burning your hand. Any moment you can let it go. And so that's what we're going to talk about today of getting on that journey of forgiveness, letting go of the pain of the past, forgiving people that have that have hurt you, uh, not being vindictive, but truly forgiving someone so that you can move forward uh, into the next season that God has for you. You know, you'll never move forward if you're still holding on uh to unforgiveness or you're holding that grudge from somebody in the past. So that's why I'm excited to have with us today uh, author, speaker, Michelle Moore, who's wrote an awesome book called The Abandonment to Forgiveness. So Michelle, it's great to have you in the studio today. And I'm just excited because I've seen you walk this journey out, been a part of your life as well. And uh, you 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 walk what you, what, you, what you preach. And I enjoy that about you. And so you're just on that journey of seeing people set free and to move forward into their lives. So thank you for being on the show today. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Adonis. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> now, Michelle, let's 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 just jump into this. And if you're listening right now, listen, get ready. It's, this is going to be uh, a testimony of, of somebody who uh, had to get on that, that journey and get on that train and and let go of the past and move forward. So, Michelle, uh, take us back to when, when you first uh, felt the abandonment uh, first felt the, uh, if I would call them the, 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 the grabs of for unforgiveness starting to try to creep into your life, into your heart, into your mind. Uh, I believe it happened at a very young age. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say first, um, you know, at five, by the time I was five, my parents had buried and divorced twice. And I went for to out of 10 years, I only saw my father once in that wow. time. So, uh, but I would not have told you that my father had abandoned me. Okay. It was very interesting later on. So we'll get to that in a minute, but my mother disappeared. And when I was 14 and a half and she did what 
Um, we now know back then there was not a term for this, but she committed what is called identity theft. And so she took on someone else's identity, which means changing, you know, literally like falling off the face of the earth. So we did not know. I did left not know. And left and became me. somebody else. Yes, left me. I'm an only child. Of course, parents divorced for 10 years at this point, yeah. and nine and a half. And, uh, and so I did not know if she was dead or alive uh, for almost 18 years. And it literally was, I picked up the phone one day, one morning early, and it was my mother calling from Denver, Denver Colorado. And uh, she, was in, she was in need of help, financial help. And so she was reaching out. She was not calling because she loved me and missed me or wanted a relationship with me. Wanted and to apologize, th- wanted to say, I'm sorry. She needed money. Yeah, and, and, and really seemed pretty clueless, which to me, I was not really ready for that, but seemed clueless, completely clueless as to what she had done, which I kept thinking, is she an, is she acting? You know, is this her way of avoiding having to take responsibility? Like, is she for real? (laughs) (laughs) Because of course she calls on a Saturday morning and I, you know, I buy her a plane ticket and bring her, you know, to Tennessee. I got to lay hands. I got to lay eyes on her. You know, I mean, you can only imagine you haven't, you don't know if this person's dead or alive to exactly they're on the phone and it's your mother. Yeah. And uh, it was funny, too, because just a side note, she didn't sound like herself, but she knew I immediately asked her a question that she answered that was not had never been made public. We're talking about a journey. So, so of, you're having to verify oh, yeah. that this is your mom on the yeah. other end of the phone. So, oh, yeah. So even in that, Michelle, when you when you realized that was your mom, what kind of emotions were going through you? Oh, it's so good. That's a great question, Adonis. Um, the first thing was, and I, I've learned since then what this is, but I was I went into shock, which you can function. I think most people that lose somebody, you know, I think we all have go into shock. I didn't realize until this happened to me um, that I was really in some shock when my mother left the first when she initially left when I was 14 and a half. But um, but I was in shock. So when you're in shock, um, one of the uh, different things that happens is like you just sigh a lot. Like breathing is exhausting. Just being awake, wow. it can be it can be a lot on yeah. a person. You have to realize it was a lot to learn. My mother was alive, and and to take everything in, and then also to take in a lot of disappointment. That, like I said, I wasn't prepared that she was completely clueless to what she had done. You know, how, what yeah. the effect was on me. My mother and I were very close before she left. I always referred to her as my best friend. My friends said, you know, she was the fun mom. Yeah. You know, I mean, when you, when you, I've seen moms that when parents divorce and there's only one child, whether it's a girl or a boy, I've seen where moms tend to treat that child as a, as a friend or a buddy. And my mother definitely did that. Yes, I've, I didn't. I've, and I didn't really recognize a lot of that until I became a mother, which ironically, she called when my first child was five and a half months old. So, you know, that's a whole nother thing. But um, so taking you back to that, yes, the, when she called, I remember she said, um, I answered the phone. It was very early. And I said, hello. And she said, Michelle. And I went, uh-huh. And she said, this is your mom. And I said, huh? And by then I'm sitting straight up and put my glasses on and my heart is pounding, pounding out of my I'm chest. Sure, I'm sure. I had been in the media a lot looking for her. Again, this is, you know, don't know if she's dead or alive. I don't know if you knew that or if we've talked about that any Adonis, but I was in the national news and different things. I, mean, I really, I sent 
recordings of local uh, different and newspapers and different things, local recordings on the news where I'd been interviewed to Oprah, Dr. Phil, Dateline, 2020. I mean, people really did not know what all I was really doing trying yeah. to find my mom. Um, I even had, um, it wasn't Entertainment Tonight. I forget what the, the show is called, but I even had a show that reached out to me, heard my story, saw it on the news and stuff and said, if we find your mom, will you do an on-air reunion? And they couldn't find her. Like, wow. I really tried to find my mother. And um, and so, but when she called, yeah, shock set in. And I remember saying, you know, where are you? Because I remember she said, this is your mom. And I said, huh? And she said, Michelle, this is your mom. And I said, oh, really? And I had been all in the media and stuff. And so I'm thinking, is this a joke? Is this a prank? And I said, how many siblings do you have? And she told me, because I knew that had not been in the news. Yeah. And I said, name them. And she named wow. them oldest to youngest, because it didn't sound like her. Yeah. And I, again, I'm thinking, is, this is a sick joke. Because I'd always told my husband I would know her voice. Yeah. And it's your mom. You know, it was my best friend. It was who my, I mean, when you're 14, your life revolves around your parents still yeah. in a lot of ways. And, and so, um, you know she was really my world still and for her to just leave and then me be left in a very not good situation um you know that was that was just that only made it worse there was nobody yeah. there to really help in that and so so anyways and so i remember saying where are you as soon as she named the siblings i said where are you and she said, well, Mama always loved Dynasty, and it took place in Denver, Colorado, so I've been in Denver. <laughs> and if I don't know about you, but that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and so that's just, I share that part of the story with you to just try to demonstrate what kind of crazy I was dealing with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So did you did you ever find yourself getting angry in that moment? Or no, just, just shocked. Just, just shocked. You're and when shocked. you're in yeah. shock, you can't really just, process. Yeah. And so it's just taking things in, taking things in. And she had skin cancer on her chin. And so the next night when she's flying in, you know, she's got this open wound yeah. that has not been, you know, she's not been to the doctor. Um, it's bleeding. She's constantly carrying around this little, you know, a, a tissue and she's dabbing it, um, looking at her hurt because you could just see the years and her hair was gray. And yeah. it's been almost 18 years since I've since seen my mother. Seen yeah. Of course, I look very different. You know, I went from 14, 14 to now a grown woman, woman that's a mom. Yeah. And yeah. so um, it was hard. I will say this. So just to kind of give you an idea of my frame of mind was, I remember it when 9-11 happened, they talked about something on the news I'd never heard of, and it was called survivor's guilt. And it was very clear my mother had, just looking at her, she had led a rough life. Mm. And, you know, I here I was, I had worked really hard, and I had been able to be pretty successful. Um, I, she referred to my home as a mansion, and I remember thinking, a mansion? You know, what? What did she just say? You know, like, and it, it gave me an insight to what her perspective was. Yeah. And it's all about perspective. I'm not living in a mansion. I'm far from it. And, and so, you know, it just, it was, it, it was one of those things where I had what I would call success guilt, even though her decisions are what put us in this pathway Yeah. and I had no control and all of that. 
But I would, I've never heard anybody say that, but that is what I relate it to is like that survivor's guilt. It was success guilt. It's what you started going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I hurt for her. I hurt for, you know, just what her life has probably been like and all of that. And so, yeah. Yeah. So, so with that, Michelle, it's like, you know, your, your mom calls you, uh, you're in shock in the moment <laughs> yeah. and it's like, you know, uh, left you when you were 14. Yeah. Uh, you basically had to, you know, become an adult on your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, at, you know, at eight, uh, let's see, at, at 19, I moved out, living in an apartment, sleeping on the floor, yeah. just to get away from abusive aunt and uncle that were verbally and f- became physically abusive. And so, you know, I, um, I was really literally hanging on by my nails. Wow. And uh, trying to not believe the lies of the enemy, make something of myself. You know, when you are abandoned by the very people that are supposed to love you, no matter what, I remember th- laying in bed and thinking to myself, murderers and rapists even have their mothers come see them in prison. I must be a terrible person. And, and that's where I wanted to get to because a lot of times people, they blame themselves. Sure. Uh, and so, I was blamed. And, and you, you, yeah. And you're and, blaming and then yourself. I believed it. And so take us on that journey. What, what is, how does that begin to shape your thought process about you? And how does that begin to shape your future as well? Because a lot of people, once again, when you're, you're, especially the younger you are and mom and dad split up or they leave and it's like, did they not love me? And, and why won't they come? And you probably, you know, you're probably going to school with, with kids that have both of their parents there and loving them. And so tell us a little bit about that. How did you deal with that? That self-blame. Well, I was really in denial about my parents. I mean, we were living in a different state from my father. Hadn't seen him for years. I remember my parents had been divorced about five years, and I'm in my bedroom crying because my father sent me a letter, a little note with a picture of my future stepmother. He had gotten (laughs) engaged, and I'm in my bedroom crying, laying on my bed just inconsolable. My mother comes in there, and, and I remember saying to her, I just don't understand how daddy could do this or my dad could do this to us. And she's like, us? And see, to me, you know, I'm living like, well, my mom and dad are getting back together any day now. We <laughs> hadn't even seen him in five years, wow, you know. Wow. So I, I look back and kind of laugh. I was in such a delusional state. But my mother set me straight at that point and told me I should be happy. And she talked to me about it. It was like, your father and I are never getting back together. You know, she, he's not doing anything to me. You know, you need to be happy. He's getting married and he's found love and all of that kind of stuff. My mother never dated. My mother didn't do anything without me. So again, we were like best friends. Best friends and, yeah. You know, so my life revolved around my mother. So, so for me, um, you know, I knew where my father lived. I knew he was alive. I knew his phone number. I knew his address. Gotcha. And so even though I didn't see him, he might, might call me twice a year, which was my birthday and Christmas. And, um, and so, you know, but, but it didn't feel like abandonment. It wasn't until years ago that, and it was after I'd forgiven my mother then I was walking through the family room and my family room. And one day I heard my spirit, your mother is not the only person who left you. Wow. And that's all I heard. And then, um, I had this revelation and it was just because I knew he was alive, his phone number and his address. That does not mean that he was there for me. And so, you know, at the end of the day, it was, um, it was one of those things where, the people that you love so much and just want you to love them and, and want them to love you in return, 
It just wasn't going to happen. And so, you know, you grieve for that. You grieve for what the enemy stole. You grieve for what was rightfully yours. You grieve for what you really wanted. I remember being little and always wanting a younger brother or sister. I used to say I had leadership aspirations at an (laughs) early age. I wanted, you know, if my mom told me to do something, I wanted to be able to tell the little brother or sister to do it. And so, um, but, you know, but I always wanted a big family. And, you know, I I think some only children love being an only child. I didn't necessarily love it. I, I remember my childhood is lonely Mm. and where my husband who's the middle of three boys talks about he and his brother who's a year and two days apart and all this it's like a different world I ask him questions about it (laughs) because it's like well how did you handle this and what about that so so for me it's one of those things where um it's never been a lot of anger it's never been a lot of that it's been just really grieving for what I always wanted, wanted which was yeah. really what I think any child wants, which is the love of their parents. And, yeah. you know, that, and it's like the very people that, that don't love me, that are supposed to love me unconditionally. And so it wreaks havoc on your self-esteem. And so I think looking back, a lot of my, my business success and personal successes were really probably driven toward trying to um, prove to somebody that I was worth something. Worth something. I've yeah. spent a lot of time. I've been, I've been, I, I experience a lot of um, people underestimating me. And so I look younger than I am and I'm short and, you know, all that kind of stuff <laughs> and small. And so I hear, I have people say, I think that's why, but that's just a fact. And so I have that, I've had that happen. Even as I'm getting older, I still feel like I still experience it some. But at the end of the day, you know, it's one of those things where, I, w- I did not know God. I had been raised that you didn't talk about politics or religion. And this was even at the dinner table with your own family. And so <laughs> I knew nothing about the Bible. I knew nothing about politics. And and so, you know, I all I knew was that um, I was... I was abandoned by the very people that were supposed to love me unconditionally yeah. always to the day they die or I die. One of us, you know, dies and it just wasn't happening. And so, so there was never any anger. And, and then there was a time where I was on the couch and I was crying to my husband and it was about not being treated like family by my own family it was my father, gotcha. my stepmother and my half sister and uh, I said to my husband, I was I was inconsolable. And uh, he, my husband, you being like he is, he was like, you know, well, just look at it like they're doing you a favor, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it was something yeah. very specific. And I was, I was. Now this was really, even after you had your own family. Oh yes, right? yeah. So you, you yeah, got your own kids. family. So. But my husband would find me in the bedroom after opening presents with our two sons, and. I would be in there crying. crying and it was another holiday, you know? Yeah. And, um, I don't remember a birthday where I wouldn't be up in my bedroom on my birthday sad because at five and six and seven, it was another birthday. My father wasn't present wasn't for, there, yeah. but once 14 and a half happened, it was like every holiday, every mother's day, every father's, you know, it was always another Easter. My mother would celebrate Easter, you know, and do things for me on Valentine's day. And all. And so, I mean, she, I always felt so loved and adored. I remember a friend of mine saying that knew my mother and was one of my close friends said of all the kids, all my friends, your mom would have been the last one I would have ever thought you know, would have done what she's done to you. And so, you know, these were things that 
my parents did. And so when I'm sitting on the couch, my husband leaves the room and my kids, I can hear playing in the room next door. And, and I hear just, just as clear as I'm sitting here, I heard you are not even grateful for the things you have. And I thought, ah, grateful, you know, I was <laughs> defiant in my reaction. And, and, uh, and God really, it was the beginning of just taking a hold of me. And I had three visions. God showed me three visions immediately and, um, and of where he had really given me gifts that yeah. I had prayed for and, um, showed me the blessings in my life in these three visions. And I thought, what am I doing? And it was as though I could see myself kind of like, look, I knew I was looking at myself sitting on the sofa and I was, I, I was sitting there and I was disgusted with myself. I mean, just completely disgusted. Wow. And I thought, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, you are sitting here. Odds are your parents aren't sitting on their sofas, you know, wishing Crying they had or had yeah. done, you know, and here you are, as I can hear my kids in the room next to where we're at, where I'm at, cry, you know, laughing and giggling and playing the Wii, I'm sitting there crying. And I, again, grieving for what the enemy had stolen, grieving for what I didn't have that was rightfully mine, grieving for just wanting to be a family, you know, just wanting to belong. And in really having a family, creating that, but still longing for that mother and father. Yeah. And so um, I said then, I'm going to change. Something's going to change. I don't know what needs to change. But looking back, I had no clue that I was holding on to unforgiveness. Yeah, because that's the deal. It's like, man, there you were a grown woman. Mm Mm-hmm a success, got a beautiful family, and still something from the past still had a strong hold on your life. For you to, for you to be in the midst of your own family, but you're crying because of something that happened in the past, it you know prevents you from enjoying your present right now with your family. And so, uh, so I think that was God breaking through uh, when he said, you're not even grateful uh, so tell us a little bit about that. I know, so, I know something, a lesson had to come out of that. Oh yeah, uh, to set you on a train of freedom. Well, I did not under, I didn't understand um, that the 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 role that gratitude plays. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then the other thing was I didn't recognize unforgiveness, um, so I didn't even know, and I would have never known the two are linked. So I say, looking back now, and even at the time I sensed it, I was going down what I call a path marked forgiveness. And, um, and so it started with gratitude. I have natural curly hair and as silly as this sounds, when <laughs> I would see it was raining or whatever, I'd go, oh, great. You know, it's raining. That's not good for natural curly hair. And uh, one day I have this back covered porch and I, I guess it had been like a month or so later, um, maybe, maybe a month and a half. I'm out on the back porch and I'm crying. I see the biggest raindrops falling from the sky and I'm just so moved and I'm so grateful for the rain. I think it was that summer we had had a bit of a drought and people weren't supposed to be watering the lawns and all that <laughs> stuff. And so there had, that had happened. And I had a friend who went to Cambodia that we both know. And she had explained that people in Cambodia don't have clean water unless they have as big of a container. And if it's rained that's lately, that's, that's, they capture yeah. the rain, the rainwater. And so 
I was just standing there and just moved to tears just with gratitude. And I'm like, what is going on with me? You know, <laughs> something is going it's on. Taking and, you know, it had been little things going, but then it was like, you just kept going. And I knew then something big is going on with me. Yeah. And then um, it was gratitude. And so, and I, I read a saying, I guess it's been a year or so ago that said, gratitude makes what you have enough. You know, That's it's, good. it's, it's, it, it's like when you're grateful for that, for what you have, you can focus on that. And I think about like, you know, the probably like a brother or siblings where one goes, well, this is great, but this one over here got such mm, and so, Yeah. you know, and, but you just got a gift, Yeah. you know, like you tell your parents, thank you or whoever get, you don't worry about what your sibling got. Yeah. You should be thankful in that moment. And so so that was um, what I learned about gratitude because I really didn't see the connection. And then God started working on me, and this is big. God started working on me about forgiving others. And it wasn't my mother initially or my father. It was my. Uh, it was other family members. And it was not about so much as forgiving them as asking for their forgiveness. Oh, wow. And showing me my role that you know, you, you were to not do this. You were to not argue with this person. You were to not, you were to show some grace and mercy. You knew better because you were the Christian. You were expected to do better because you had learned better. And so what was your role in this? And it wasn't your part, your response. Yeah. Yeah. Take ownership over, over something. And it's like, you know, uh, when, you know, me and my wife, we, we, you know, we teach a lot on marriage and, mm-hmm. and relationships. And we always say, you know, when two people, you know, if if they go through a divorce, it's like each one of them, they need to take ownership somewhere in the midst of that. Don't worry about the other person, but you take ownership so that when you take ownership, then it, it can allow God to deal with you on that so that you can move forward eventually one day. And exactly. I think that is so key uh, when we're in the midst of, uh, unforgiveness or dealing with forgiveness or trying to forgive others. Okay. What was my role in that? What was my part? So I can take ownership and, and it's all about God making us better. That's right. Not bitter, but better. That's right. And there's a lot of wisdom in that Adonis and what you just said. And, and that was exactly it. And so when I knew that I was to apologize and ask for forgiveness, I remember not telling a single person because I knew my husband, my friends would all look at me like I had three heads and say, are you crazy? Because I could give you a long list of stuff that had been done to me, but that wasn't what God was talking to me about. Exactly. God was saying, but you right here, this little bullet point right here, you need to go and make things right. And, uh, and so that was humbling. Yeah. That was eye opening. It was, uh, digging in deep. And what I, when, what I recognized too, in the entire situation was that I was at a fork in the road. I could either keep doing what I'd been doing, of course, keep getting what I was getting. But if I wanted to get something different, I had to do things differently. Yeah. And, um, and I had, and this was the other thing because of my situation. Now there are going to be people listening that maybe they need to forgive someone for something that maybe they were a part of or whatever. Mine was clearly, you know, my parents did this. I was a child. I had no say all that kind of stuff out of, you know, so, so I'd had some friends one time. I had a friend say to me, well, the problem between what I would have to talk about and what you have to talk about is that people don't have any sympathy for what my situation is. Cause they see it as I choose to be in it everybody sees you as a victim because you were, it was done to you. And that's true. 
But what happens is at some point you have to say, okay, I'm at this fork in the road. And I just realized one day, like people would say to me, I'd never forgive her. Or you, you're right, you know, to if you never wanted to forgive her, that the Bible doesn't have a footnote or a forgive, forgive <laughs> yeah. others unless they don't deserve unless, exactly, it. Exactly. Or yeah. until you redeem, they have, you know, said sorry yeah. enough. Or, or in this search, in this certain situation, you're okay. Yeah, not to forgive. there are no yeah. exceptions. And, <laughs> and so what happened was I thought, do I want to worry about in God, you know, in, in what the world says and all of that. And people go, well, you're right for this, or I wouldn't blame you. You know, I'm sure you've heard all of it. And so I had to realize that, yes, I, I could hold on to all of that and nobody could probably blame me for it. Um, but I just thought, why not just do the, do what the Bible says and trust God. It was putting it in God's hands and saying, I'm going to do this God's way. My way ain't working. Exactly. This is hurting. Yeah. And it's been too many years. Yeah. And it was like, and if I'm going to call myself a Christian and the overachiever that I am, you know, it was like, if I'm going to call myself a Christian and I'm going to say these things and I want to live like I'm supposed to live, this is included. You don't get to take a black Sharpie marker and mark out which scriptures you don't want to follow. Yeah. And that's free pass on it. It's, it's, you know, and I love that because I think, I think when God spoke to you and, and kind of started you on this journey, uh, Michelle. And just in the closing minutes of this, yes. uh, talk to the audience, those that are listening right now, because that's a that's a painful journey, but it's a rewarding journey. Yeah. Because, and I love what you said, you you were in so much denial, you didn't even know you you were holding on to any unforgiveness. And there wasn't any anger, but, and I think a lot of times we can try to block things out of, out of our mind with that didn't, you know, I'm a success now, but at a grown woman with a family, you're still in your bedroom crying, grieving for what I wanted, what what you wanted. And so with that, what were some of the things that specific things that you did that you knew as you followed the voice of God, that you were free from the unforgiveness? Well, one of the things that God showed me was I had to let it go. And that was, that was it. It was choosing. And in that moment, when I realized I was at that fork in the road, I realized that there was a part of that that was, you know, it was the truth. And I wasn't trying to be a victim, but it was still grieving yeah. in, in that. So once I could get past the grieving and, and saying, okay, this is what it is, like finally accepting it and saying, okay, I'm, I'm a grown woman. It's never going to happen you know, then, um, I'm never going to have the parents that come to the birthday parties and all. So I, and the other thing too, was I had by then also experienced my parents not caring about my children. Mm, That's huge. So it was okay. Not only now, not only did they not want to be my parents, but now they don't want to be my children's grandparents. Yeah. And that was tough. That was painful. That was brutal too. Did that did that conjure up any of those feelings again? That's when because some anger came like, in. <laughs> yeah, because you kind of almost like reliving that, but through your kids, it's like, wait a minute, these are your grandchildren. Yeah. Well, you know, it's and, one thing to do something to me; it's another to yeah. touch my kids, right? <laughs> it's like well, Mama so, Bear, right? Rises up. Yeah, that did not know. I did not know was there. Yeah. <laughs> and so there have been a few times where you're like, "Where did that come from?" Okay, I see this. I must be a Mama Bear and didn't realize it. And so it was one thing I was, I was hurting when it was me and it was a helpless feeling. It was, it was pure child kind of stuff. 
But when it was my children, it was like, I draw the line. Yeah. And I, I believe to this day that my mother didn't call me until I was a mother for a reason. Wow. And I, it was all God. It was absolutely God. And, and that's a whole nother story. But, but what I will say is that in this time is that I absolutely believe that it was meant for me to walk through this, it, you know, as a, as a mother, because yeah. also there were choices and decisions that were, that I made that were impacted that I will tell you and fess up. I would have chose differently if I had not been a mother, I would have let the relationship be unhealthy. I would have given yeah. money. I would have done things yeah. that I would have never allowed to happen with kids. Yeah. So I kept it healthy at some level. And, um, because I was protecting my children and, children, and protecting yeah. their, ch- my children's mother yeah. because they needed me. So it was again, something that I did for my children, but, but anyways, and so, but what I would say in all of that is just, realizing that, yes, I do need to forgive them because, and then there was grace. And the grace came in where it was like, okay, maybe, maybe there were circumstances I don't know about. Yeah. Maybe my father, perhaps my father thought he was doing the right thing by staying away. Perhaps my father just, you know, I knew my mother said my grandfather didn't like him and my grandfather was intimidating in, in himself. He would have been command sergeant major over Fort Campbell. And <laughs> so I, you know, and I'd live with him. And so yeah. I, I, well, he just even had a commanding presence. And so I could, you know, I just started perhapsing. Yeah. I call because it. Because as an adult, you can look back now and, and, and give the grace because there was not, no grace before. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, it's like as an adult, you can, okay. Because now you're a parent, you're you're a full grown yeah. woman. You, um, you you understand at an adult level now. So it's like looking back at that that five year old and fourteen yeah. year old, and it's like okay, maybe there's some things that that were behind the scenes that I was clueless to. And I got to tell you, Adonis, this is you know being completely transparent here. I really feel like there are so many Christians that never will they'll live their whole life, adults, but Christians as well, that will live their whole life and they'll never grasp this concept. And because this is I think this is not like math where it's just a two plus two equals four. Yeah, I think this is a really deep thing that it's like almost like God gave me um it's not an epiphany. It's what's, what's it called? God gives you this revelation. Revelation, yeah. And, uh, it's, it's one of those things where it just took time for me to realize. And it's when you really, you see the spirit of God, because it's not yeah. something you, that's, that is a human thing, Yeah. you know? And so I will tell you before this happened, this transformation of walking down this path marked forgiveness, I promise you, if you would have brought up, you know, anything, I would have said, no matter what, no woman has any excuse for not having custody of their children. No parent has no reason for why they're not in their parents' lives. I don't want to hear it. I mean, that was one, that was the one thing that I saw where my anger would rise a couple of times where I just was not going to entertain that there was any good reason why my mother had not called. Exactly. You know? And so when I did the perhaps, when that came up out of me and could even entertain these perhapses that came to me in that moment yeah. as I'm standing there with this vision of me at this fork in the road, I realize then grace, grace and mercy, all is, of is, that comes with it. Yeah. And, um, and that just, and, and when you can, I always say like, when you can forgive that, there's just, I, I can forgive just about anything. Anything. I yeah. And people I are like, are you mad at such and so? I'm like, no, I'm so over that, please. And you know, the whole thing, you know, the word of God says God's grace is yes, sufficient. That's right. And I think so many times we think 
you know, that scripture is applied to maybe a physical thing, you know, but it's, but it's no, it's, it's like his grace is sufficient to, to, to get you through and to get you moving and to, uh, when his grace, uh, flows out of you as well. And that's what I think it began to do in, in your situation to begin to flow out of you. And you, you, you simply extended the grace of God yes. to a situation that allowed you to see things from a different perspective. And made me actually hurt for them because you start thinking about how much they're missing. I can look at yes. my grandchildren, I mean, my yes. children and think they're missing out on their grandchildren. They missed out on me. I mean, I know, I think I'm pretty great, you know. My husband will tell you that. And he'll tell you that, you know, he was convinced my mother was dead because there was just no way that, you know, he, he could imagine that my yeah. mother would have intentionally... Um, not been in my life and he just couldn't imagine it. And wow. so, so he was really stunned, yeah. but you know, at the end of the day, I want to just leave with this. And that is, I promise anybody that if you're holding on to unforgiveness, it is the biggest gift you give yourself. It's not to the other person. It's not, it's not to anybody else, but to you. And awesome. I promise you, it will be the best decision you ever made. Wow. You know, Michelle, I don't think, you know, I've been in ministry for almost 20 years. I don't think I've ever heard it put like that. I've, uh, I can understand it, but the way you just put it, you know, uh, it's, it's the biggest gift to yourself. Yeah. I, I think somebody's listening right now that needs to hear that. It's the biggest gift to yourself when you forgive others and when you extend grace. And that is, that is powerful right there. And I think so many people, uh, Michelle, need that gift to themselves so that they can move forward into life because unforgiveness keeps you stuck. It keeps you uh, in a cage. It keeps you locked up. It keeps you in prison. Also, what I think a lot of people don't realize is it, it is a wall between you and God too. Absolutely. There is a wall, even not to tithe. We're called to not yes. even tithe. And if there Un- is something, you go clear that up. That's if you right. got any, any right. with your brother and sister, yeah, including parents, grandparents, anything. So, Michelle, I'm telling you, this is I, I've enjoyed this conversation, and and it's been so easy to just sit down and and talk to you. And I know these are things that are uh, dear to you. I know these are things that you know. I appreciate you. Uh, you're just being open here in the studio with us today. And that's the thing I love about you, Michelle, is that uh, you sh- you share the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> I got ugly in there, and, that's for and, sure. <laughs> and, and, and the thing is, you know, I, I tell this, you know, everybody has a story. You know, some people try to hide their story. Some people are ashamed of their st- story. Some people regret their story, but some people tell their story. And it enriches the lives of others, and so that's the one thing I love about you. You're you're so quick to share uh, uh, from from the things that you've gone through, the pain, the past, the struggles, the victories, the success, and uh, you're so quick to share that with other people to encourage them to keep moving forward. So thank you, Michelle, for being a part of the podcast today. This has just been an amazing time of sitting down with you. Michelle, where can people go to find more information about you or to get a copy of your book, Abandonment to Forgiveness? You can always go to Michelle Ministries. Michelle has two L's, michelleministries.com. michelleministries.com. There you go. Go grab a copy of that book for yourself or, you know, just as important, if you know anybody who's going through a struggle right now of holding on to unforgiveness, uh, uh, because that leads to bitterness and that just leads to prison, you know, just 
invisible prison. And so if you know anybody uh, in your family, your workplace, your your community that's going through that struggle, uh, go to, to Michelle Moore Ministries with two L's. Michelle is with two L's. <laughs> go to that uh, website, michelleministries.com. Get the book, Abandonment to Forgiveness. Uh, let that be a gift from you to them. Uh, and I guarantee you that uh, as they begin to read the words on those pages, I believe God's going to send them on a journey of finding healing and forgiveness. So do that. Michelle, thank you for being a part of the, the podcast. And uh, Michelle's a dear friend of mine. And uh, me and my wife, we love her so much. She's just uh, been an inspiration to us, an encouragement to us, kind of like our personal coach. She just she got us started in writing books and and all of that good stuff. So we just we love uh, any opportunity that we can get to just sit down with Michelle and uh, just uh, to be a sponge and just just to listen to what she has to say. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I'm sure you have. Uh, and thank you guys as always for being faithful listeners and subscribers, helping me get the word out. And once again, if you know anybody uh, that's going through that struggle of unforgiveness, you make sure you uh, forward this podcast on to them. Send them the link, send it to them uh, as quick as you can so that they could get on that journey of finding freedom uh, and forgiveness. Thank you guys once again. And always remember, it's never too late to make your next days your best days. God bless you guys. (laughs) Love it. You've been listening to the Next Steps to Better Days podcast with your Next Step coach, Adonis Lindsay. For additional resources or coaching, please visit adonislindsay.com.